You're listening to Pipes, Pores, and Pals. I'm your pal Justin. Yes, again, your pal Nate is not here. It's a really long story. Basic gist is, it's probably a bad idea to go eat a sandwich called the Meat Mountain before you record an episode. Yeah, that's right. Nate and I went to Arby's. We tried the Meat Mountain, like we had told you guys we were going to try at some point. We split this ginormous sandwich, and then we tried to record. It was bad, folks. It was really bad. Nate and I didn't have time to record again. It was just a bad recording. Plain and simple. We both knew it. The chemistry was off. We were both just moaning and groaning about how fat and disgusting we felt. And uh, so we called it a night. We went both home and took naps. And uh, I was fretting. I didn't know what I was going to do. But then it clicked. I'm going to be in Chicago on Monday evening. I know somebody. I know somebody that lives in the Chicagoland area. Turns out they're only 25 minutes from where I was staying. This person also happens to be an Instagram Pipe Maker Club member. Thought to myself, self, I think you need to reach out to Jason Patrick. So I did. Reached out to Jason. Said, hey buddy, I need to record an episode. I think you'd be a great fit because guess what? I'm right down the road. Would you like to get together tonight? Let's record an episode. I was thinking we'd meet at Starbucks. We would meet at Cigar Lounge, maybe. Maybe Arlington, Pipe and Cigar. Jason said, no, 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 friend. It's not happening. You're coming over to my place. Here in a second, you'll hear all about that. I am with Jason Patrick. All the way up in Chicago. What's up, friends? So glad to be able to sit down with you, man. We, uh... Kind of spur of the moment. Yeah, this morning. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> I uh, I had to be in Chicago for work, and uh, I was like, you know, I know a guy. Let's take that shot. I, I know a guy. And Jason and I met at Chicago. We met uh, Nate there as well. Had yeah. a great time. Yeah. No, it was great. Met you guys on Thursday night, sat down, had some good conversation. Yeah. and I was just telling... Uh, I don't remember who it was recently, but I, I think we mentioned on an episode, there were several people at Chicago that I sat down and talked to and you just felt like you knew them forever. That's it, man. That's and it. Uh, you were that way. Uh, yeah, I felt the same way. It was just like, you start talking, you realize, oh, there's a lot of lot in common here, a lot of similar values and similar, just, you know, you can talk forever. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Foster is that way. Totally. I sat down with yeah. Kevin Foster and within 10 minutes, I felt like he's my best friend forever. <laughs> well, and, and the thing with Kevin is like, there's, there's guys that make pipes. There's guys that do this. And then he's, di- he, he's really good for how many he's made. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's already doing things that, you know, that it took me way longer to learn. And so, yeah, I was it, chatting with him is always a pleasure. You, you can see the, the pilot mind. It's like, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're a detailed guy. You should be. Like you're flying people around. <laughs> don't don't skip those details, man. Well, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm not at our normal studio. I'm recording live uh, from well, not live in person with yeah. Jason in Jason's office. This is your office, man this cave it. lounge. This is my office. This is where the magic yeah. happens. Well, we, some uh, of the magic. We caught up this morning through instant or instant messenger on Instagram, and I was like, hey. You think you'd be able to record tonight? I'm going to be in the area. Turns yeah. out my hotel's like 25 minutes away. Yeah, worked out. And uh, Nate and I actually recorded yesterday. You and did, okay. We actually recorded with Pipe and Tamper in the morning. 
Oh, nice. And did an episode with them. And immediately afterwards, Nate and I were supposed to record. And uh, we decided that uh, we were to go grab lunch. And uh, we got this really dumb idea. Because we've mentioned on the podcast before, you ever heard of the Meat Mountain? I have not heard of the Meat <laughs> I have not heard of that, but I'm about to, I guess. <laughs> so the Meat Mountain is a, um, it's a hidden menu item at Arby's. Okay. And it's basically a sandwich that has every meat that Arby's serves on one sandwich. And as the name describes, it's literally a mountain of meat. So That does not sound healthy. <laughs> not at all, but it was delicious. Uh, but Nate and I have talked about this multiple times. We're both foodies, and we're yeah. like, we got to try this. It's Nate had the bright idea, we should do this, and then we should come back and record. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's a food coma waiting to happen. It was literally a food coma. Nate and I sat there for an hour and 25 minutes and we were just like i'm miserable (laughs) or half our recording was just like moaning and groaning by how miserable we were Uh, and uh, i was like this is a disaster you know what are we what am i gonna do and then it just clicked this morning i was like i'm gonna be up in chicago i need to get a hold of jason so that's right we're bumping we're We're bumping bumping nate in the meat (laughs) mountain discussion (laughs) It's just going to get sidelined. So, so Sorry, everything Nate. that we had planned, we had told our listeners that we were going to be doing for this last episode or for this episode is getting bumped back. You know, when we're sobered up from the meat mountain, <laughs> when uh, Nate comes out of that meat coma, the meat sweats. Oh man. Yeah. So we'll be uh, next week. We'll be doing uh Eagle rare 10 year and it's a great bourbon. Uh, let's see. Blockade runner was the blend we were going to be smoking. Okay. So next week we'll be smoking those, but, um, yeah. So our listeners, if you want to, uh, we apologize. We'll be, uh, delayed by a week from doing those, but Hey, you get an extra week to explore those blends. So it's for the best. You don't want to, it's for the best. You want to push it. If it's not happening, it, it was bad guys. It was really <laughs> bad. <laughs> there was like no motivation. We were both in food coma sitting across from each other. And it was just like, I don't know. I, it was just boring and sweaty and groaning, and it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Uh, and yet, I still want to hear it. <laughs> Maybe I'll release it as a bonus episode. That's right. You got to give it for those. Uh, yeah. For the, <laughs> tell a few friends if you really want to see what happens. But yeah, I hit I hit Jason up, and I was like, "Hey, let's you know record tonight if you can." And uh, he was like, yeah, sure enough, we can. And he was so gracious, invited me over to his house, which I was surprised by that. And then fed me. Yeah. Everybody that comes here gets fed. Now I'm in a meat so coma here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah. were some good Polish dogs, man. They, yeah, the deli that we get them from. So in Chicago, you can get, you can get pretty much the best food of any type you want. And there's going to be a community and a place you can go. And so if you're here long enough, you can find out where to get the good stuff. And yeah, that, that. That's my favorite place to go to get pole that was sausage. The, that was probably the best pole sausage I've ever had. It was legit. Yeah, it's it's oh. the Polish neighbor that introduced me to it. Yeah. So he was, I'm like, where do you get these? And he's like, you know, I'm thinking it's some magical place, and you know, and he's just like, it's right here, just the del- real small deli next to a grocery store. It's great. That's awesome. I uh, I need a place like that. There's, I mean, I live in Central Indiana. There's just nothing like that. We have a kosher deli. Okay. Shapiro's. Shapiro's, Shapiro's. Deli. Okay. I've yeah. Heard, yeah, I've heard of. Yeah. It's right down by the Colt Stadium. It's super popular. Yeah. You go there for lunch. You have to wait an hour for like half. You have to wait in line for about a half an hour to get your food. And 
Yeah, you never waited this place. You go in there, they just don't speak any English. You just have to point and, and they'll, I don't, you know, I don't speak any Polish. So my wife is, uh, her, her grandma's Polish. And so you kind of growing up in that vibe, food's very important. And just, oh yeah. You know, so she's half Polish and half German and then I'm half Irish and half Puerto Rican. So we bring, oh, there's a lot of food going on there. There's a lot of food going on there. Yep. Yeah. So, so you're half Irish, half Puerto Rican. Yeah, that was a, that was a disaster. <laughs> ne- neither side of the family wanted them to get married. Oh, man. Mom and dad were... <laughs> grandparents were like, what are you doing? <laughs> so do you, uh, do you like one food better than the other? No, I actually am I'm pretty, I'm pretty mixed. I am a meat and potatoes guy. That's real. But I could eat rice every day. And I really? could eat... Yeah. And I, I like all sorts of different Puerto Rican dishes and just ethnic food in general. So mm-hmm. I'm... And I, I love to cook, so I cook pr- probably seventy percent of the meals that we have here, and I just love kind of exploring that. And so I, yeah, I just like food. I think that's the that's the thing. It's like I like, it's like, it's like Scott. Scott I like all of it. <laughs> There's yeah. not like a favorite. I like it all. Just give it, <laughs> give it all to me. Yeah, we're enjoying a scotch right now from yep. from Jason's liquor cabinet here. Uh, I don't. We just looked up how to pronounce this. Benriac. That sounds like I'm not even gonna try, but you, that's ben, a good thing. Benriac the Twelve. I, I saw it and it was like kind of in the price range that I was looking for. I'm like I haven't had it before. It's a space side single malt. Yep, and uh, it's it's pretty good. I'm it's I'm pretty, pretty good. pleased with it. I'm drinking it faster than you are. I'm gonna need a refill <laughs> in a second. Jason was trying to get me to drink some sort of Lagavulin or some some uh, what was some it? sort of Isla Scotch. Yeah, I was some sort of Isla Scotch. Cask strength, like yeah, Lafroig would have. <laughs> it's delicious. What was the? Uh, what's that one? The cask strength by Ardbeg. Ugadol. The Ugadol. That's that Oogadol. was that was the second scotch I ever had, mm-hmm. and it it was so delicious. <laughs> I'll ne- I'll never forget. I'm like, I'm I'm gonna become an alcoholic. <laughs> this is gonna be. <laughs> but it's just. Yeah, with scotch, I'm just I'm satisfied with with one, maybe two, and I just can move on. But yeah, when I drank that Ugadol, I'm like, man, it felt like the sky opened and the light shined, and it was just this glorious moment of delight for me. I love those peaty, smoky. Really? Yeah, they're my favorite. Well, did you see our poll that we posted on Instagram? No, I didn't. What? Uh, so I posted a scotch poll on Instagram okay. on our story, and uh, surprisingly. Uh, we had 176 engagements on it. Sure. And uh, let me see if I have the picture here really quick. I took a screenshot of it. Man, I want to know now. Uh, the the poll um, choices were peated, non-peated, both, or neither. 24% said peated. 16% said non-peated. 50% said both. And 10% said neither. Yeah. yeah, there's guys that just don't like scotch. Is not as sweet as bourbon is. Bourbon is usually a little bit right. sweeter. Um, I'm not. I'm not a. I don't do the sweets as much. But um, yeah, it's you. You get that peat in there. You get that smoke in there. Ugh. You dig that, huh? My fr- yeah, yeah. My wife loves Ardbeg. I have a bottle of Ardbeg I keep on the shelf just for her. Really? She can pour like a three pour glass of it and just go to town. Like that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm I, not that way. No, I mean like it's it is an acquired it's an acquired thing. And I have found that that 
smoking preferences with tobacco can can lean one way or another as well like so if you like more i'm the opposite i really like peated smoky scotch but i'm not like a like a heavy latakia guy or balkan or you know i do some englishes but not a ton and mm-hmm. and so yeah but so my my scotch choice goes that way but my tobacco is not does not lean that way very what's much what's your tobacco choice i am as basic as it comes i smoke probably 70 percent of the time i'm smoking lane bca man that's and then I do like some vapors. There's a, there's a couple that I that I like. I, I I've, I've branched out very little into them because, mm-hmm. oftentimes when I want to smoke, I just want something that works for me. And so then I'm I'm not exploring. But yeah, then when I explore, I'm like I don't love that. And so I just smoked a <laughs> tin of. This is even more more basic than Lane BCA, but creme like it's like a creme brulee. Uh huh. And it's delightful. I love it. It's a soppy mess. It's so wet. But I just open it up and leave it open for two weeks. Hey, you like what you like, man. And I, I, I like a hookah. I like a <laughs> like a hookah tobacco. It's like <laughs> so. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of that. But yeah, I do. There's there's some blends I'm exploring a little bit more. Some of the C and D stuff. And yeah, talking to Jeremy Reeves about it. Yeah, I was like, all right, here's what I like. What should what should I get? And he gave me a couple a couple options that um, have been good. So yeah. what is it that you like about? Um, the BCA. Yeah, I think I think when I'm smoking, I it's it, for me it's less about the exploration of the tobacco and it's more about the the rhythmic nature of smoking in general. And okay. So like, I love packing the bowl and lighting the bowl, and then the rhythmic nature of of you know keeping a pipe lit. And so I think for me it's just that process slows me down, and so I like the nature of that. It's not that I don't like tobacco, I do, but but it's just that's not the part for me that's the most enjoyable. I've I'm more of a pipe guy, so I have a bunch of different pipes, and I really enjoy, um, you know, the feel and the texture and the shape, how it fits in the hand, how it how it clenches, how it you know. It's, but I'm not as much of a, you know, just explore the tobacco. But I just choose both. Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> do do both absolutely. I've never had BCA. Um, Russ, one of well, our listeners. You're going home with some. <laughs> I actually have some. Russ oh, gave do? me okay. some. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just candy. <laughs> it's just candy. <laughs> it's it's a little bit better than like lane one Q. And it doesn't bite lane one Q bites. Like I find that it's not that's not very enjoyable. But BCA doesn't but doesn't bite as much. But the room note's amazing. I just love the Yeah. You like what you like, man. That's I it. I've never been a fan of um uh, dogging on people because they like something different than what I like, you know, I, man, there's I a shed a tear right now. I'm feeling so affirmed right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a YouTube channel called whiskey tribe. Okay. And, uh, they have a saying, uh, the best whiskey is the whiskey you like the way you like to drink it. There you go. And I, I I'm that way with whiskey and I'm also that way with tobacco. Like you like what you like. The best tobacco is the tobacco you like the way you like to smoke it. If you like to smoke it hot and fast, smoke it hot and fast. I mean, it's not for me, but I'd probably shame you a little bit if I saw you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have, if you would have poured a can of Coke into the scotch, I would have been, I would have accepted it, but it would have been tough for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't pour. I'm very picky about what I mix yeah, whiskey or what? I, what? I, what whiskey I mix with other things? Yeah, I do like an old fashioned, but I do like primarily the only time I drink alcohol, I'm drinking just a neat, a yeah, neat same whiskey. So I'll do bourbon, 
or scotch, but I prefer I prefer scotch. Almost always neat. Uh, the only time it's not neat is if it's like a if it's a cask strength. I might put like two drops of distilled water in it to open it up a little bit. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm a, it's just neat. What's your favorite bourbon? So, yeah, the the favorite so bourbon is weird because like not all of it's accessible, right? And so mm-hmm. like I've had some that I think were really good, but I I don't think I would ever be able to get them again. The the one I can get consistently that I really like is a weeded old elk. Okay. And so that's that's really good. It's a middle of the road. It's probably 60 or 70 bucks a mm-hmm. bottle. So it's not cheap, but it's it's certainly not like, you know, like you know, off the off the map there. But I've had I've had some other ones. I I loved Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare is actually my was my entry point into bourbon when you could buy it at Target. Now you can't yeah, find it anywhere. You can't find it anywhere. And when you do, it's double or triple what it used to be. I get it for 30, 35 bucks at Target mm-hmm. when I for you know for several years ago. But but yeah, the weeded old elk, it's kind of stayed pretty consistent. At some point it'll probably be a little bit more discovered and then the price will go through the roof. But you know, <laughs> you know how it is. I, I bought my first Ugadal. Hard bag cost me sixty bucks, and I just saw it for ninety the other day, and I think Oof. it's continuing to go up. It yeah, I, the uh, this whole Sazerac being a rarity blows my mind. Like I actually just bought a Sazerac rye the other day. Okay, and Sazerac makes Buffalo Trace. They make Eagle yep. Rare, all yep. that stuff. But you can't find Sazerac products to save your life, nope. with the exception of um, uh, what's that? cheap cinnamon whisk fireball fireball right. fireballs made by Sazerac you That's can right. find it everywhere benchmarks made by Sazerac you can find it everywhere yeah but you can't find Buffalo Trace you can't find Weller you can't find Eagle Rare or any of those no I went to the Buffalo Trace distillery uh, just a couple months ago mm-hmm. and even at the distillery you could get a bottle of Buffalo Trace and it was probably three or four bucks more than it would be at like the store and you could get um, but there's no Weller available there's no Blanton's available there's no you, I mean you're in the distillery and you can't even get it <laughs> But they, what they did is, I when I was there, they they they've doubled their their bot their uh how much how many barrels they're loading every day, and so within a few years, the pinch should be over. But they yeah like they're they're loading twenty five hundred barrels a day. There. That's a that's a lot. That's that's a lot. But yeah, and then they'll take you in and show you everything. But it's a it's a cool place. But yeah, there's just can't get that stuff 2500 barrels is a lot of barrels it is that's a lot of whiskey i was very excited about that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how many bottles come out of a barrel but man they they said it's probably a couple hundred i think it was 250 or something like that yeah and then the older it gets the less the more water evaporates and so the more concentrated it is but the less bottles you get and so by the time they're bottling like the the pappy Mm-hmm. Um, Pappy Van Winkle. Sometimes they're only getting um, like ten percent of what the barrel initially started with is what they mm. end up with. So there's just a lot less in each barrel. Wow, mm. I didn't. I mean, I, I knew that there you'd get more evaporate. Yeah, but it, it gets down like twenty five years or whatever. It gets down to not a lot. It's hmm. interesting. I've not been to that distillery. I've been to a couple. I've been to Angels Envy. I've been yeah. to um, Evan Williams. Okay. Those are the two I went to, and yeah. uh, it was an awesome experience. They Absolutely. are. They're fun. I went to Four Roses in, in the Buffalo Trace. The Buffalo Trace one is enormous. Is it? It's, it's an, yeah, it's probably a, like a whole city block. Wow. And and just warehouses and warehouses, and they'll, you know, just, yeah, everything's stored on site, you know, like they just, it was, it was a very, 
involved place. <laughs> it's very, very big. So, you know, like I said, I met Jason at Chicago and we got to know him uh, quite a bit at Chicago, but, you know, stayed in touch a little bit since then. But uh, Jason recently got involved with the Instagram Pipe Maker Club. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, they've been through about a month and a half through that now. What's that process look like as a pipe maker in that club? Yeah. So, I mean, my engagement has primarily been in the Discord sort mm-hmm. of environment there. And really, there's, um, it, it seems like it's growing. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's growing quite a bit. And then, yeah, you just got makers at all kind of different stages of, of making. I, I consider, so I've been making pipes since 2019. So I'm about four and a half years in. Um, and I still consider myself fairly new, but like, like, like I'm a hobbyist. I'm, I'm not a beginner anymore, but I'm, but you know, I'm certainly, you know, my, I'm selling all of my pipes. Like I, it's part of my, part of my income, but, uh, I still am learning new things all the time, but it's just so cool to be able to be in an environment where you're exchanging information freely. Um, and every, you know, trying to help everyone. There's, it's a, it's a really kind of open environment to help. And also just, just, um, there's something about being able to see someone else's process you know, give feedback, you know, if they're doing something that it took you a year to learn not to do, you could just say, don't do that. And here's why. And it <laughs> saves so much time, you know? And so, yeah. but yeah, being generous with that sort of, um, information, which is like everything I learned, I learned from somebody, you know, very, very little of what I do. I just discovered on my own. There are some things, but very little, most of the stuff that I do, um, from a, you know, methodology standpoint, somebody else told me. So, I mean, being, there's no need to be stingy with that sort of information. It's just, you know, give it away. Yeah. I, I love the concept. I, you yeah. know, it's not the first time it's been done. It's been done. It's not. No, probably dozens of times, other different places with, you know, different forums and groups yeah. and so on. But, uh, you know, Instagram's kind of a newer yeah. platform. Totally. And, um, you know, there's a lot, that's made the artisan like a second boom of artisan pipes. Yeah. Because of Instagram. It, it is interesting. Cause I came into pipe making after like the boom of pipe making. And so that was, you know, I'm not super clear on the dates even cause I wasn't around, but it was, it was definitely 10 plus years ago, kind of in that, kind of in that arena when, you know, artisans were just selling everything they made, you know, there were people coming in and buying up, you know, just all of the artisan pipes, but there is, um, so I make about, I'll make 120 pipes this year. I make about 10 a month and, um, I, I don't have a single pipe right now. And so like, I know you, I tried to buy one from you. <laughs> in my, um, in kind of my, uh, price range and, and kind of quality of pipe, it's like, there's, they're all selling. And so, you know, and I found that with other makers in a similar place, that's, that's the story right now. So it's, if it, it, it feels like a boom for me, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not making $800 pipes either though. So yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 a good time in pipe making when people's pipes are selling. So that's kind of what you do it for. Yeah. I think with the discord, I think, you know, while, while the collaborative thing has been done in the past, specifically on forums with discord, there's more of a, it's more of a, like a live interaction. Like there's more, it's more happening right on the spot instead of yeah. somebody posting and then, maybe waiting a couple hours to see if someone responds. There's people online. And so you'll post and somebody will respond to that right away, or they'll ask a question and you can give feedback. So the information's happening quicker. Mm-hmm. And so the nature of, of technology is just making it so that that sort of thing can happen more 
and I, I love it. It's all I'm here for all of it. It's good. Yeah, I mean, Facebook kind of was like the middle ground with that. Yeah, between the forums and like, that's how I with Discord. That's how I learned. I I read everything on the forum, but I really learned in the Facebook model. The forum was already starting to slow down. Um, the information there is amazing, but it's it's uh, it hasn't necessarily been updated. And so it's a little clunky to work with, but the search function works great, and the and the information on there is gold. I mean, it's it's pure gold for for a pipe maker. But then, yeah, if you're looking for feedback, I learned on Facebook, and I so you know that's how I got my feedback. I hope there's a backup of that archive of all that information. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, can you imagine how big of a loss that would be to the pipe making community if something like that <laughs> were to just like go down? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna knock on some wood here so I don't jinx anybody. But, but seriously, that's like yeah, there's there's. Hopefully there's a backup somewhere. <laughs> Tyler Beard, if you're listening. <laughs> we need a backup. That's right. I have. I've recently, because I just got into making pipes, and um, I've been going on there and using the search function a lot for different yeah, different things, and just overwhelming, uh, not only a lot of instruction and a lot of um, ideas and um, just a lot of there's just a lot of communication on there. A, yeah. a lot of yep. um, feedback. Mm-hmm. A guy will post a picture of a pipe and just the amount of feedback that's on there, or, you know, he'll draw a picture of what he's trying to do. Yeah. And just the amount of people that tell like how they would do it. So not only does it like, it doesn't just tell you one way, it tells you multiple ways that's that it. it could be done. Like that's so that, that information, I mean, the advent of the internet has its own evils, but to have access to that kind of information is just mind blowing. Yeah. It's been gold. Yeah. Depending on your tooling, everything you do is going to be different. So if, sure. you're, if you're starting, you know, if you're starting out and in, into the arena, you're only going to have certain tooling and then you have to work with what you have. And, you know, usually you shouldn't buy something different until that becomes the limiting factor, which, you know, Usually it's people's skill level that's the limiting factor, not yeah. the tooling, you know? So, yeah. I mean, people have been making pipes for it's hundreds of years. Yeah, it's been a minute. The, the, I, I bought one book from Steve at Vermont Freehand. That's the, um, it just talks about like the pipe making process and they're showing like, yeah, like an old school lathe and just, yeah. I mean, the, the way that they made them was just with, you know, it was how they were making them 40 or 50 years ago. Now they're making them now. So, <laughs> It goes back to even primitive times with Native Americans making pipes using... Just hollowing out the bamboo. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, hollowing out some reed. Using one stick to hollow oh, out yeah. another stick. Yeah. Like. Pipe is a pretty simple operation. It's just it, a couple holes in it. It is. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, it's a pretty simple device that uh, the industry has made so complex in some ways, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and there's, there's been great innovations... And I'm sure yeah. they, they, I'm sure they smoke a lot better. But at the end of the day, like it, it is kind of when you look at it from a very, uh, a ten thousand foot view. Yeah, it's it's very it's funny how, um, the word that comes to mind is futsy. We've made it very like. It's so true. Just <laughs> I don't think they're smoking much better since probably the seventies. So I would say like, I mean, once you know. Once you had like your Danish sort of boom in pipe making, where they were making artisan pipes, where it was, you were con- you were concerned with not only uh, you know the, the the engineering, like the engineering of the mouthpiece wasn't something that was really thought of 
early on. It was just something you slapped on it. But once that started to become like a, hey, that's the only part you're putting in your mouth, that should matter. Mm -hmm. Then you started drilling them differently, slotting them in a way so that airflow would be consistent. There wouldn't be turbulence. You would open them up. And so once that happened, really, you can't, it can't smoke in me. There's no improvements to be made from that point. From a, the engineering is the engineering, and so it's just when, once that's done in that way. But yeah, then you know <laughs> the way you do everything else is like, yeah, you can do it with ten dollar tools or thousand dollar tools, and it's just <laughs> you know it is what it is. It does. It brings to mind a question um, in your pipe making. What's your what's your style? How would you describe your style? Yeah, I'm kind of a mix, and so I love uh, aspects of. Um, just a classic shape. And so I think um, when I, when I, when I first started pipe making, I did what most people do, which is just uh, try to do something freehand, which is fine, but you can't really get feedback on a freehand shape because no one know what you intended to do. So it's hard to know if you did that. And so um, from a shaping standpoint, it's hard to get feedback. And so I, I pretty quickly moved into more classic shapes simply because then someone could say, well, you did this really well and you didn't do these 400 other things very well. <laughs> so, you know, then they could give you feedback and you could adjust and make adjustments. So I, I but then as that happened, I, I actually fell in love with the classic shapes. I never used to like a billiard shape. And now I make a lot of Levats and I, and I, I like them. I like, I, you know, it's a, and so I have that sort of English, um, uh, yeah, just, I love those shapes, but then I, I do have a Danish sort of that's the other influence, right? That's, and so I've been influenced both ways. So the idea that you could take a piece of briar and, and see what the green is doing and then allow that block to, um, dictate what shape you pick is just, that is where the, for me, that's where the artistic part comes alive. And, uh, and so I love that as well. So I have kind of a Danish and an English influence in that. And then the Americans, you know, a lot of the American pipe making has done, kind of a combination of those things. And so there's, there's some influences there as well, which, you know, but, but those are primarily, those are being derived from the, the other, you know, the other stuff. And so, um, yeah, that's been my basic influences have been, uh, English and Danish. If you could make gun to your head, you could only make one shape of pipe. That's sad. Sad. I know, but what would it be? It'd be a Levat because I knew that was um, your answer. Because you just can't, you can't dictate what green is going to do. And so, um, yeah, some briar has really interesting green and some doesn't. So if I just have a bunch of blocks in front of me, as long as they're long enough, I would probably make a Levat or a billiard shape. You make a great Levat, man. No, well, thank you. I, uh, I have one of your Levats and yeah. I love that pipe. Yeah. It's a smoking machine. That's what they are. You, in essence, you remove all the extraneous material and you're just left with a smoking machine. They're super lightweight. Um, yeah, they just work. They look good. They're, they're classic looking. Yeah. I mean, when people think of a pipe, you can't get more stereotypical pipe than a billiard or a lavat. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think if you think of a classic shape, you're either thinking of like a bang, like, you know, like mm-hmm. the, you know, like a little bit longer. Yeah. Or, or just a, yeah. You're thinking primarily of a straight pipe too. It's not, yeah. not, you know, sometimes like a bent billiard. Yeah. But like still, yeah, a billiard. Yeah. Still very classic, like the stereotypical pipe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It seems to be that's what people reach for 
oftentimes when they're, you know, just starting in pipe smoking, like when they think yeah. about like what their grandpa smoked or their uncle smoked or whatever, yep. if that's their draw, almost always billiard or Levat, something like that is their draw. It seems like, yeah, at least in my experience, but I, uh, I, I lean, I would say I lean more towards Levat. Yeah. I like Levats. I like, uh, Lumberman's. Yeah. Some, yep. Which is like a Canadian and a Levat. It's love child. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> the Liverpool, the Lumberman, the Levat. Canadian. I love them, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, I know the answer cause you told me, but tell our listeners what got you into pipe making? Yeah. When I first started, um, I, you know, my wife and I, I, I'm, I'm a pastor. Um, I was a pastor full time for many years. And then when, um, my wife and I planted a church in 2019 and I talked to a mentor of mine and he said, um, if you work with your mind, you need to rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, you should rest with your mind. And so it's like, all we, everything you do is super heady and, uh, and so you're going to have to figure out a hobby with your hands. And so I, I, I made my first pipe the first month we, we planted and it was, it was bad. It was pretty bad. And, uh, I showed you a couple of my early ones. The very first one I made, I don't have anymore cause it broke, but, um, yeah, I took it into a pipe place and showed a guy and I thought it was really good and he did not <laughs> share my opinion. <laughs> You uh, you showed me one of your early pipes. Yeah, uh, it was your second pipe. Yeah, made? I think it was the second one. The one that's made out of oak. Yeah, it's made out of oak. And I just wanted to rub that in Jay Furman's face that a great pipe maker like Jason also thinks that pipes can be made out of, made out of oak. So I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I reject everything about what Justin just said. There. <laughs> Uh, oak is a terrible medium for pipe making because actually you can taste the oak. And so the point is you actually want a neutral flavor in there. And so, the, but I made it because it's what I had. And then I went to the Chicago pipe show in 2019 and I didn't know anything, but I picked up a couple pieces of briar and then I, that's where I started. But I, I made them out of oak, but you know, I could have made it out of a four by four from my deck too. And it probably would have smoked. <laughs> We literally. Sorry, Justin. I didn't mean to. So we we just recorded a pipe and tamper. You can yesterday. edit that out. No, no, I'm going to leave it because it's it's hilariously timed. Because we talked about my very first pipe on the episode, and Jay was like, "The problem is you made it with decking material." That's exactly right. It's it's treated. You can just get some get some toxins in there with you. Some arsenic. I do find it hilarious that there are so many people that will be talk about pipe wood from the standpoint of like what's toxic and not Mm -hmm. as if tobacco isn't also toxic. (laughs) You want this pure piece of wood, but then you're going to put some something cancer causing in there. Yeah. Actually that that a little bit. I've actually heard people say that like Oak is a carcinogen. I was like, so is tobacco. So is tobacco. That's right. (laughs) You're going to light it on fire and and like put it in your body. I don't, I don't inhale into my, into my lungs. I never smoked anything but a pipe. And so I like I have not smoked a cigarette in my life. I'm 43. I've never smoked a cigarette, so I've never inhaled anything. But when I accidentally do, it's just bad. And these vir- <laughs> these virgin lungs just they they do not love. Well, that's why you look so new. young for that's 43, <laughs> man. I'm over here at 35, and you know I feel like I'm 50. Probably because I've smoked half my life. There you go. Yeah. Inhaled it too. <laughs> no, I I did not. I'll retro. Inhale. I'll retro. <laughs> that's right. 
I'm old enough to remember that. <laughs> I, I do retrohale, but I don't, I don't, I don't pull it into the lungs. So. Oh man, no, I'm I'm the type. I inhale so much that I start wheezing sometimes. Okay. Like, yeah, get the. Get the I can tell when I've smoked too much. I get that. <sighs> like copd sounding you know <laughs> that might be why a lot of guys don't like the toppings on their tobacco because i can't imagine that that in your lungs probably feels a little different than in your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why does my breath taste like creme brulee why are my lungs coated in syrup <laughs> it's probably not good so you you smoke bca mostly now is that what you've smoked all along um yeah i mean some form of an aromatic. And so like I've some, yeah, aromatics are, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're a wide range of, and so you'll get some that are, um, like I smoked Captain Black grape and that was awful. And then I smoked something from, I think it was Briar works called peach cobbler. And that smelled like peach cobbler and it did not taste, like that at all it tasted really bad and so i didn't love that one um but yeah i like an aromatic i just that's my that's my vibe and and i also like i'm not the guy that tries to smoke to the end of the bowl because when it's an aromatic you're gonna get three quarters of the way through that and it's gonna just be wet and so i'll dump it so I, yeah. there's very few times i'm like i smoked the bowl clean i don't really that's not really a goal of mine so so all your pipes are seasoned from the top to about <laughs> Three quarters of the way down, yeah. the last quarter of the bowl is just bare briar. It's just wet. It's just wet <laughs> still, briar. Still wet from three weeks ago. <laughs> what do you what, what do you think about this whiskey, man? It's pretty good. It's you liked it, obviously. Um, it's gone. I, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm, I drank it. I'll drink it all though. <laughs> but I do like it. It's got um, it's got some sweetness to it. it it's a little. Um, I would say for me, it's, it's simple. It's not super complex, which can be good in an environment like this, you know, where we're just having a chat or whatever. But if I'm sitting down really trying to enjoy one, I want something a little more complex probably. Yeah. I, but it's good. I've actually enjoyed, I like space sides. So, yeah. um, I like the, um, the floral, the fruitiness, yes. all yeah. that stuff. I avoid. Yeah. Peatiness, like the plagues, the, de- the death stuff. The death stuff. I do like a uh, speeside in that's been aged in a sherry cask, and so this is done in three different types of casks, and I can, I can pick up a little of the sherry, but there's it's also in bourbon casks and some other things. So, yeah, good old sherry bomb is it's good for me. I, I do like sherry bombs. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of like I said, speysides and yeah. Highlands, especially Highlands. There's a lot of sherry bombs from the Highlands. Yeah, the Highlands will give you a little spice there, but usually it's not. Usually it's not overwhelming. It's just it's an undertone, but. You have an awesome uh, liquor cabinet right here, dude. I love it. Yeah, one shelf dedicated to each thing. One is one is whiskey, one is photography equipment, and one is pipe. So pipe moderate, like compared to most pipe smokers, that's so moderate, man. This is and actually that's part of my. It's part of what I do is everything in there is. It's a displacement process. I won't buy more than can fit in there. That's awesome. So good for you. I try to organize it really well because. <laughs> capitalize on the space i have but yeah i won't buy you know if that's full i won't buy more scotch until i finish some so okay nice yeah i wish i had that kind of uh control i just you know i'm like the rich man in the bible i'll tear down my barn and build bigger that's right <laughs> i try to keep it biblical you know there you go you try to be moderate biblically and i and i try to do like the rich man i have an addictive personality so if i don't lean into moderation <laughs> i go off the wire i'm like i'm not even in the yeah i'm i'm gone so moderation <laughs> is is good for me that's awesome your your pipe selection you gave me a tour of 
presumably almost all of your pipes. Yeah, I don't have a lot. And if they don't fit on that, if they won't fit on that um, holder, I don't, I won't have more. So really, yeah. If I buy another pipe, I'll get rid of one of the ones on there. I'll either give it away or sell it. Wow. Yeah. So there's probably room for what twenty pipes on that rack. Maybe. Yeah. That's probably. Yeah. That's probably probably pushing it. Yeah. Maybe fifteen or twenty. Wow. So they have to matter. They have to have a, you know, they have to have a, there's some, some gorgeous some pipes story. up there, man. I, you know, I didn't, yeah, for uh, probably two years ago, all I had on that rack was my pipes that were, um, <laughs> too damaged to, <laughs> to sell. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, more lately I, it, it's going to pipe shows is the problem. I went to Chicago in 2022. Yeah. So last year's show and I, I didn't bring any, but I had three pipes um, I sold one of them and then I spent so much money. <laughs> and so I bought pipes there that I was not planning on buying. But when you're holding it in your hand and you're seeing it and you're like, yeah, this is coming home with me. It's just how it works. So yeah, I definitely bought some there. So, I mean, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your taste in pipes. Cause I mean, you have a, you have a type. It looks like. Yeah, I, I'm in aesthetics. Like I like I like how they look, and so I'm, I'll buy a I'm for Strondo pipe by Hot Looks, and so I'm assuming that if the pipe is um, made by an artisan, that it's going to have the engineering um, that I'm looking for. And so you know, um, if they're newer or whatever, I'll do some exploration. But for the most part, the engineering is is the first part of learning how to make a pipe, and it's the part you need to nail right away. Otherwise, you're pipe is bad <laughs> so yeah. it can look beautiful and have bad engineering and not be good so yeah i, I but yeah i found myself drawn to like i'm a, i like a slight bend in, in a lot of pipes i do have a couple straights but but most of my pipes that i make and i buy are about five inches long they weigh they're light i don't buy a lot of big pipes um the one huge pipe i have up there was given to me by uh by the one of the guys that kind of mentored me into this stuff and and i I do like that, but I, and so I clench about half the time. Um, and, 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 uh, but yeah, I like smaller pipes and, uh, I like, yeah, just a light. doesn't have to be a real deep bowl. I don't, I don't smoke. Most of my smokes I do when I'm taking a walk. And so it'll be like a 40 minute smoke, 45 minute smoke. So I don't need a, you know, I don't need an hour and a half bowl. You yeah. know, I just need something smaller. So you're a lunter, huh? I do. I do a lot of lunting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, you don't have a place to smoke inside. I'm guessing. I don't smoke in in the house. I'll smoke on the deck. I don't even like to smoke in the garage very much because my room's right above that and it'll just <laughs> rise right into my bedroom. So yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, got a big family and my. I would not ask to smoke in the house out of fear of my wife. She would not. <laughs> it would not even be. <laughs> I just have never bothered. Man should have a healthy fear of his wife. <laughs> she is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna guess. Given that you have a healthy fear of her, she probably likes murder podcasts. I don't know, but I will, you know, like there are <laughs> things where you're like, what are you watching there, hon? <laughs> It'll be something that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't seem like entertainment to me. But she, yeah, I, her guilty pleasure, I'm going to out her right here. Her, her guilty pleasure is more like a... Uh, like 16 and pregnant, like on MTV, oh, not, not necessarily. She the, likes the drama. Yeah. Ones. Like solving the, uh, yeah. Solving the, the murder, the murder. It's podcast. a whole other reason to be afraid of her. Like she it's, likes it, the drama. That's man. That's real. I don't it. know. My wife's a murder podcast. Person. Okay. Yeah. And my wife is scary because <laughs> she knows how to shoot. 
She knows how to handle a knife. She listens to murder podcasts. And she's probably one of the best animal butcherers I've ever seen in my life. Wow. How does one become one of the best animal butchers? Lots of practice. Okay, so you grew up on a farm or grew up uh, on a... No, actually, a she, was a, she was a city girl. Okay. And um, when we first got married, she wanted... I mean, like, actually, before we got married, we had discussed, like, she really wanted to, like, turn a 180 from where she was living. She wanted to live somewhat country. She okay. wanted to have a homestead. Um, she wanted to live a relatively simple life. Um stay at home mom all that kind of stuff sure and so i was like okay i mean that's the way i grew up and she loved the way i grew up just the the idea of it Mm -hmm. and so we jumped head into it as soon as we got our own place where we could have that kind of atmosphere uh we did and she jumped in head first like butchering chickens butchering rabbits i mean i tell i love telling people the story um I remember, like, I fell in love with her again. <laughs> this at is one so point. attractive. <laughs> I felt like a caveman that just discovered his woman. <laughs> when I watched her That's butcher awesome. a quail, she just reached into the cage, grabs this live quail, pops its head off with no remorse, snaps its legs like she's a Chicago mobster, <laughs> takes and literally pulls its outsides off like it's a sweater sticks her two fingers up its butt and pulls its guts out all very graphic (laughs) all in about 30 seconds she just just bam 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 completely butchered this quail in like 30 seconds from start to finish and you've never seen anything i'm not gonna lie i got kind of hot and bothered that's right i was like oh my gosh like it's the most wonderful thing i've ever seen yeah Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs. I had no context with that. The first time we went out, my 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 wife's oldest brother married uh, a gal that grew up on a farm, and when we were over there. We were all doing Thanksgiving there, and you know, I was I was like, man, this this chicken is so good. Like, like where'd you guys get it? And she's like, I butchered those this morning. And I was like, man, do they have names? Like, I don't know how I feel about this. So that was yeah. I'm I'm definitely not. Um, you're a city slicker, huh? I, you know, suburbs, so close enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, she I, was I, she was definitely, she's small town Indiana, but she grew up um, in city limits and had no country, had yeah. no country in her yeah. body at all whatsoever. I mean, I've never eaten a quail before, so like, she's yeah. butchering them, I've never even, yeah. I don't yeah. think you can get those at Jewel, can you? I, I don't know. I mean, a high-class place like Chicago, you would think you'd be able to get it's stuff probably like a place that. you can get quail. I don't know. I would assume it. somebody's serving quail somewhere in Chicago. Somebody. They're probably delightful. They are, they are delightful. It's like a small chick, individual chicken, like a Cornish hen. It's just yours. That's the whole thing. It's, you just eat, eat the whole, the whole thing. thing. You yeah. don't even feel bad. <laughs> so I'm guessing, given you've lived in the suburbs your entire life, you've never had like squirrel or anything like I that? I have had squirrel. Have you? Yeah. I... I have friends that aren't from here. So <laughs> I don't think I knew that it was squirrel before I was eating it. And then I was, I was kind of, you know, too polite to stop eating it. It was fine. It was good. Like yeah. it tasted a little gamey, but it was good. It's like rubbery chicken. Yeah. Everything. It's a little chewy, a little chewy, put some gravy and some mashed potatoes with it. It's fine. That's exactly how we had it. Yeah. It was <laughs> That's like, how 90% of people eat squirrel, eat it. Yeah. It's fried with mashed potatoes and squirrel gravy. 100%. Yeah, that's all it was. Maybe some cornbread? Uh, probably, actually, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. So you're a suburbanite. I am. Yeah. 
all your entire life here? So I grew up uh, 12 miles north of here, and okay. then I moved here, and that's it. Yeah, I've really? Been, I've been in Elgin my whole adult life, but I grew up in another suburb that was a little bit, just a little bit north of here. Yeah. Chicago boy through and through. That's huh? it. Cubs fan since the day one. Cubs fan? Okay. Yeah, northwest uh, suburb. So you kind of have to... It, it is geographically lo- located unless you fell in love with an individual player. But I grew up, um, yeah, just kind of north enough that the Cubs were our team. So Okay. Which is a miserable... Not a south side person. No. Miserable experience because they're just not good most of the time. I'm, an, I'm, I'm a born and raised Cincinnati Reds fan, so I know your plight. Yeah, it's just, you know, learn how to suffer. Yeah, you, know, you just teach, suffer through it. <laughs> teach us how to endure. <laughs> uh, football fan? Yes and no. Like I grew up. I mean, my first football game I remember was the was the you know the '85 Bears playing in the Super Bowl. And so in '86 when they played the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl Shuffle, that was the first football game I remember watching. But again, they're terrible. And so you know, like they're <laughs> you know they just have never been good. And so I'll watch games, but you know Sunday after Sunday afternoons are you know being a pastor Sundays are like kind of a busy day. And so I don't necessarily get to sit down and watch a game in the afternoon. I enjoy it, but I don't watch as much as I, as I would like to. So, so are you, uh, just kind of a surface level Cubs fan or do you watch Cubs no, die hard? surface level? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. And actually even less than, than football these days, I don't really watch a lot of games, but if they catch a hot streak or whatever, I'll, I'm excited about it. And, you know, when I see the W, it's like in our area, people own the W flag. And so yeah, they'll fly yeah, yeah. the flag when they win. And, you know, it doesn't fly as much as it could. But but uh, <laughs> when they do win, it's, it's pretty sparse to see that flag flying true. anymore. It's really true. You grew up a Bulls fan? So, I mean, you were a Bulls fan in Chicago when I grew up. So, yeah. I mean, I remember my first Bulls game was, you know, man, I, I went – with my dad, I was maybe seven or eight years old, and he's like, look at that guy right there. That's Michael Jordan. He's the greatest basketball player that ever lived. And I remember, um, and and then they won their first championship the next year. So it was, uh, you know, and then they could, it was magic. They never, they just never lost. It just seemed like they never lost in any clutch uh, in any clutch environment. So every time it was down to the wire, they would win. And so you just... That was that was a kind of a magical time to be up, but yeah, everybody in the whole area was a Chicago Bulls fan. Yeah, it was hindsight. We looking into. back on that, is it kind of cool to think like I watched Michael Jordan play in person? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I mean, my kids still want Jordans. Like it's yeah. he doesn't play anymore. He's just an he's an icon. Yeah. So, but yeah, the whole team was. It's like the Babe Ruth of basketball. He, yeah, he is. Yeah. The whole the whole team was just it was great the whole environment and the yeah the whole it the way it tied Chicago together Chicago is very um, it can be very neighborhood oriented based on where you're from or your ethnicity and so you can be you know the Italians live here and the Irish live here and you know if you're from Mexico you live here or whatever and so it but it really united a lot of the area and just brought a lot of joy I think to the whole. That whole decade was pretty fun. I mean, I love Jordan. I love that era, but I am a I I was a year long years long season ticket holder for the Pacers. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I do a prefer Reggie. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I kinda have to. You have to. And he he was amazing. I mean, that was during that era. He was amazing. <laughs> so what's uh you say you're a pastor. Yeah. And a photographer. Yeah. And a pipe maker. 
That's it. Got lots of peas going on. They're kind of like pipe spores and pals. You're hey. pastoring, photoing, or picturing. We'll go with picturing because it's a p- p- That's right. p- going. So pastoring, picturing, pipe making, parenting. Parenting. Got six. You got kids. any more peas? No. No? I don't think so. What's a what's a day in the life of yeah. Jason Patrick look like? It depends on the day. There's, you know, but yeah, it's pretty. Lots of parenting. Yeah, it's pretty flexible. So yeah, the way we the way we do this, we adopted our four youngest kids through the foster care system, and so a lot of what we do these days is kind of oriented around um, is oriented around them. So our lives are kind of planned out around that, and so our jobs are super flexible because that allows us to um, kind of take care of our big family and do the things that are needed there. So a typical day will involve, I will be in, in that, in the workshop that you saw for, for usually at least a couple hours every day at some point. Sometimes I'll get like a full day in there, but that's rare, you know, or I'll get four hours in the afternoon and they'll go back in there in the evening and work. And so I do, I, I read, I make pipes. I, you know, I'll, I'll write stuff. I do a lot of writing and, uh, yeah, and then photography is the, is the least thing that I do right now. But I'm like, in, I'm wrapping up a wedding edit right now, so I'll be finishing up a wedding edit in the next couple of days to do that delivery. So, it's it's pretty it's pretty flexible and pretty, um, yeah, it's it's able to be adjusted based on, you know, my kids are out of school right now, so I'll get less work done this summer than I get done when they're in school. <laughs> That's just kind of how it is. So, <laughs> uh, how did you get into pastoring? What what led up to that? Man, I I. Yeah, I my church community was my community when I was young. Mm-hmm. I didn't really connect. I was a super shy kid. I didn't connect a ton at school. Um, I did I did some sports, and so I kind of connected in that world. But I didn't have like real close friends there, and so I made my first my first real close friends at church. And so I kind of grew up in that environment, and uh, you know, really felt my life changed and touched through uh, the youth ministry that I went to. And so when I graduated high school, I was immediately. Um, doing the youth pastor thing. And so kind of got in that way in the church that I grew up in. And then I came on staff to do that in a more official role. And then I was in sales for 14 years for a mapping company. And I did, um, I was an account account guy for that. I went travel over Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois doing sales. And then I was also doing kind of the youth pastor thing on the side. And then um, when we adopted our we started fostering our first set of kids that we eventually adopted. Uh, the travel just didn't work anymore. And so when I went to make a career change, um, the the lead pastor of the church that I was with offered me a full-time job doing that. And that's how I got into it. So, hmm. yeah. Just kind of rolled into it. Wasn't, that's it. Wasn't something that you like actively pursued. You just kind of... No, I, I mean, I, I did do I did do theological training and stuff. And so I, I had that kind of in my back pocket already. And so I was did some schooling through that. And, um, but yeah, it was, it wasn't something I was necessarily always looking for, but Mm -hmm. it definitely later on, I was like, yeah, I, this would be a job I I would really enjoy. And I, and I do, I really enjoy it. That's awesome. I, I was a youth pastor for seven years Okay, and, um, grew up a pastor's kid. My parents were missionaries to Dominican Republic. Yeah. Yeah. They went, uh, the year I moved out of the house and went I went to college and they uh dad resigned as the pastor and uh went they started pursuing missions totally and they were missionaries in the Dominican Republic for 12 years wow um they just recently moved back and dad's still doing 
like assistant pastoring stuff yeah. like that. But also, you know, he's he's bivocational. Sure. Not trivocational like you. Yeah. If I got a real job, I could probably be bivocational. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's doing the whole bivocational thing. You know, um, helping pastor at that church, but also doing home remodeling and stuff like yeah, that. But exactly. I've been around it my entire life. Sure. And uh, you know, again, like you. Uh, raised in church, found my early community That's in it, church, yeah. and um, you know, there's there's a lot to unpack there, but um, you know, there's more good than bad. Yeah, you know, you see, in essence, what hits the news is the bad. You yeah, know? absolutely. And so you're. Your uh, your faith filled community that's been doing this stuff uh, for twenty years and serving their community, you know, they're not going to make the newspaper unless there's a scandal. And so, yeah. um, but, but we do, I mean, we, there's also the reality that there's a lot of unhealth in that that needs to be brought into kind of a more healthy context. And so, yeah. um, a lot of what I do now is actually that I, I serve on our, um, our regional team and I oversee kind of all the different youth stuff that happens in our whole region. And then we've, you know, we're, pl- I'm not doing youth ministry anymore. We're pastoring locally. And so, um, but I still get to kind of help train up leaders and make sure that, um, you know, as much as possible that they're living a life inside that reflects what they're saying they're living outside. And, you know, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to, uh, went through several years of theology training and, um, went off to Bible college for two years. And then I did, you know, study on the side. Yeah as I was working full time and That's all it, that yeah. stuff. So <laughs> I know. been there, done that. Yeah. It's so true. When you become a youth pastor the first time you're, you know, I was very young and I, I still, to this day, I, I tell people the guy that hired, the pastor that hired me to be a youth pastor was absolutely insane for hiring a 19 year old kid. They like, all are insane. And I was not ready to be a youth pastor. You have the same level of like impact potentially as like a therapist would. And they've gone to school to get their master's degree. <laughs> You know, and you're like 22, you barely, you're like, five, you're so dumb. You're five minutes age. older than they are. You don't even have a fully developed brain yet. And they're like, what should we be doing? And you're like, I know the answer to that. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I hindsight look back there. and I was like, what was I thinking? Who and especially that, what yeah. was this guy thinking? <laughs> Why know. in his bright mind? I was, I literally hadn't even graduated with my theology degree right. yet. <laughs> And he, I guess they were totally desperate it. enough. They needed a youth pass. They're like, "Hey, totally we know it. that you haven't even been fully trained yet, but we want you to come be our youth pastor." Let's throw you in over here. You know, yeah, the, there's a lot of that going on. It's not great, but you know. hey, you know, it is what it is. It, it is what it is. That's it. <laughs> I still think that you know, like like you were saying, I still think that the the goodness and reality of a of a community of faith is has more good than oh, absolutely than bad. You know, so well, and you look at every community. There's good and there's bad. There's good and there's bad in the pipe community too. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you know, I think that's one of the reasons I've really embraced the pipe community was because of that. Um, really narrow community I had in growing up in the church community. Yeah. And the pipe community, although it seems completely different is a lot the same. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's a narrow, it's narrow in its scope just in terms of like the hobby itself is not super widespread, but I mean, yeah, you go to a pipe show and you try to describe what a, what a guy there looks like and it's going to be the same. (laughs) Always got a beard. (laughs) He wears a hat. (laughs) You know, like you walk in and you say, I'm looking for a bearded guy wearing a 
tan jacket with a flat cap. <laughs> That's right. And he's overweight. He's carrying a satchel of some sort. You just described ninety percent of the people there. Uh, that's true. That's true. There wasn't as many fanny packs as I expected. There's a couple fanny packs. There's a couple, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I've always made fun of fanny packs. More you, of a, it's more of a man purse that you're looking for. It's yeah, like, it's, it's definitely, like you got to carry your stuff, and it's not it's not so big that you need like a suitcase, but it's too big to just shove in your pocket. And so, yeah. there's you guys that need a satchel or a newsboy bag or something like that. Yeah, there's guys that'll do the backpack thing, and I think that's probably the most efficient way to do it but it's doesn't match the whole eclectic vibe of being a pipe smoker and so you see some but yeah i carried like a a satchel myself (laughs) (laughs) so are you are you involved in the local pipe club yeah i i get there when i can it's it it means it meets at arlington pipe and cigar and you know and and it's a great club there's a you know the depth of wisdom and stuff there and just really 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 great people but saturday and evenings are tough for me and so mm. i don't i don't get there as much as i want i shoot weddings on saturday sometimes and so and then you know just the nature of life with with the family saturday evenings are are booked up a lot but when i can i get there i probably you know in a year i'll probably make it to four or five meetings i won't i won't get there more than half of those I imagine so. as a pastor saturday night's awful also hard because you're probably trying to prepare to Depend- do some last minute prep before sunday depends on how the week went <laughs> <laughs> you get ahead of it or lord i know i know it's <laughs> i know it's 11 o'clock on saturday night but i need a word i uh i hope i hope that that's almost never me but it is <laughs> yeah i'm pretty i'm i'm pretty last minute with some of that stuff that's good stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what pipe shows you been to? Man, yeah, it's just, I, I, I've i gone to, the first pipe show I went to was 2019 Chicago, and then, of course, COVID hit, and so we didn't have it for the next couple of years. Um, but then I went back when they kicked it back off in 2022, and and then again this year. And the other show that I've that I've gone to is the uh, the one in Ohio. The the yeah NASPC show, and so that's a great show. I went there, um, in in 2022, and that was the first time I ever got a table at a show. And um, I booked it again for this year, so I'll be going back awesome. in August. But those I'll are be the there, two. So I'll get to see oh, you, you will. That's awesome. Yeah. So those are the two that I that I'm uh, committed to bringing pipes to um part of my my deal is like going to a show with 10 pipes means i actually have to stop selling them so that i can bring them to the show which is feels kind of weird because i make them to sell so yeah i I either have to double down with production or i have to um yeah just kind of turn off commissions for a little bit so that's what i did for chicago this year and that's probably what i'll do in a few weeks here i'll kind of shut down commissions and then make pipes because that shows i mean it's only six six weeks away or so yeah, it's middle of august right yeah yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to that show i it's a really good show is it it's, it's a really good show it's it's obviously far smaller yeah than the chicago environment but what that means is it, it's just you know you can kind of see everything that's going on in the room it's it's a good crowd there's just i, just, I mean the community itself is really great i did get down to the st louis uh pipe show this year but I just went as a, as a guy attending a show. I wasn't trying to sell anything. Or, but um, but it was good just to be at a pipe show, just to, for the sake of the community and the joy of being there. But uh, that show's great. You can the St. Louis one. You can smoke right there in the nice. Yeah. So you just how far is Nashville from here? Uh, it's about eight hours. About eight so, hours. Yeah, yeah. So the the uh, 
Mule Town. Mule Town. It's and that's another hour. So I think Columbus yeah. is or Columbia is another hour south. So I I would love to go to that one, but there's gonna have to be something else going on because I'm to drive it. Yeah, it's just it's a long drive. So yeah, I didn't. I thought I didn't realize how far you were from me because yeah. I thought oh like Chicago's three hours, but I'm another. You're hour. on the northwest suburbs. That's it. I'm another hour from Chicago, <laughs> and I came through at rush hour. Oh gosh! Yeah, you're like I'm leaving at noon. I'm like, oh man, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be hitting Chicago at uh, at its darkest time, <laughs> it's <an> ugly time. <laughs> yeah, I came through and I hit Chicago, and I was like, I didn't time this out very well. I just drove right into Chicago at rush hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, not my not my wisest. I didn't even make a decision. I just ran. It just with happened. It. Yeah. I was just like, I, I'm you know I'm gonna be up there. I'm head up there. The main interstate, once you get through the loop, is you're on I-90, and so I-90 has completely been reworked. They were it was under construction for, and I don't think I'm even joking, like twenty years. <laughs> like I don't, I think my entire life almost. Like there's, there's, but then they finished it about two or three years ago, and it's been great since then. So it's a little fast. It was a pretty smooth ride here from Schaumburg for sure. Yeah, like that's not yeah. too bad. But. Yeah, from Schaumburg, it was super easy to get here. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 25 minutes yeah, or something exactly. like that. You're moving the whole time. And you guys have so many lanes of traffic up here. It's nuts. You have a lot of people. So there's that, a lot of people. There's a lot of people up here. But I was just driving through here and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's just so many lanes of traffic. And the most we get is like three or four lanes on 465 around Indianapolis. Yeah, you, I mean, you're that's the minimum. I mean, that's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the minimum you get. You guys have like super highways up here. Yeah, I mean, they they had they basically the, the construction was to widen the whole thing and add like another two lanes. Yeah. And so I noticed yeah. there's two lanes on between here and Schaumburg at least. There's two lanes on either side that have like the red X lights that I'm yeah. guessing open up certain times of day based on. Yeah, I don't know. You know, those red X lights have been on for three years, so I don't <laughs> actually know. Like, I mean, this is. <laughs> you know something else I noticed differently up here is your guys is some of them it's hard to decide whether when you when it says like exit let's say 243 right it'll say 243 a and b yeah where i'm from a always comes first and b always comes second and they're and they're routed that makes sense <laughs> i missed an exit today and i was like i gotta go to b and i go oh that was b why is a come after why does a come after b this is weird i got nothing I got nothing. That's a weird yeah. Chicago thing, man. Yeah. You guys don't even know your alphabets up here. Is that how bad the school system is? It's pretty it's pretty <laughs> tough. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's, pretty it's, it's stressed. It's stressed. <laughs> Too many people, not enough teachers. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, I really appreciate you being able to get together. Yeah, this, was, this, this has been, been a blast. Super fun. I got to see your your working shop downstairs. Yeah, my little closet down there. This is a this is a first time. I mean, I've done. You're only inter- the second guy that's been down there, I think. So, man, yeah. I feel privileged. I I've done interviews with makers over the phone. Sure. I did an interview with the maker at Chicago with, with yeah. Kevin Foster. Poor Kevin. Yeah, poor Kevin <laughs> got drowned out by Jay. Did you get to hear that episode? I I felt your stress, and that was after you edited it. So I was like, that must have been. That was a. You could feel the anxiety. Barely mitigated disaster. <laughs> it was. It's no, been it was hilarious. One, it was fun. It's been our number one listened to episode. Dude, uh, I don't know how Kevin hung in there. He's a trooper. He's a trooper, man. He he powered straight through that. But <laughs> yeah, this is a first to be able to come to a maker's house and. Um, see where they do their magic and all that stuff. And so I was, I, mean, I love it. 
I thought we were going to get together at like a Starbucks or something and record nah. this, you know? And you mm. were like, hey, come to my house, meet my family, eat my food. Come on. That's, I drink love my scotch. I love the hospitality end of it. It's hey, fun man, for this me. has been amazing. So, uh, again, thank you so much for that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, my pleasure. How, how can people find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically just doing the Instagram thing right now. I, Jason Patrick Pipes. Try to keep it simple. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, you can email me, I guess, if that's your vibe. with jasonpatrick122 at gmail.com. But pretty much Instagram is Instagram's the way is to go. Where, yeah, it's... I know some old guys that aren't Instagram people, so, you know. The I've had a couple people ask me, can I get on your mailing list? And I was like, tell me, <laughs> tell me more about a mailing list. <laughs> like, is this like a hard copy thing? Or like, what are you asking for? So, yeah, I, yeah, that's just been, I, that's just been how it's worked for me. And so I haven't really done, yeah, gone beyond that. So the mailing list, this, this is like. Wow. Do you chat people on AOL Instant Messenger, too? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, about half of my stuff's commissioned, so I do take commissions. But, but you know, I um, I won't ever make two commissions in a row because I I feel like it can kill the creative vibe that is really necessary to continue to enjoy this. Yeah. And while I do make in- income for it, it's not like the primary source of income. So I feel like I, I, I have the I, – I do get the flexibility to – be able to do it in a way that I want to do it. And so, um, yeah, you know, so I'll, I'll say yes to commissions and I, I like making commissions. I won't do commissions for a pipe. I don't think will look good or a pipe. I don't want to make though. And so I do, <laughs> I do say no. I had somebody ask me to make him a green pipe and I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, green, the, the way the green comes in, it fades pretty quick and you know, it doesn't look like it. I can't get it to look like I want it to. So I won't make one. So, that's there you just go. How it is. So find him on Instagram at Jason Patrick Pipes. That's it. That's the way to find him. Yeah. Beautiful. He does does great work. I have one of his Lavats. It's a great smoker. Oh, so especially you. if you're looking for a Lavat, I can speak highly of his Lavats. I haven't smoked any other pipes, but yeah. the Lavats a smoking machine, man. The all the engineering on all of the pipes is exactly the same. Uh, well, then they're all smoking machines. But, uh, so that's it. So. Well, thanks again, man. This yeah, has thanks, been an absolute been pleasure. I'm super excited about the opportunity to do this. Yeah, so. it's great having you here. And it's thanks for the uh, the Benriac. The Benriac. I gotta I gotta find a bottle of that myself now to put in my Scotch good. collection. It's good because I'm not about moderation. I have, you're not. You, you know. have, if you if you need more, you just create more space. <laughs> yeah, tear down my house and build a new one. <laughs> I actually, for Father's Day, got a new shelf built. Because so I didn't have enough space on my old shelf. Yeah, I have a buddy that, it, he's the one that got me into this, and he definitely just bought another cabinet. <laughs> he's just, just like, <laughs> well, I need more space. So. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, you can reach the podcast on Instagram, like Jason. It's yeah. on Instagram, almost exclusively. We do have an email. We are pipesportsandpowsatgmail.com. Right on. Also Gmail, you know. Uh, but you can reach the podcast on Instagram at Pipes, Pours, and Pals. You can reach myself, Justin, at the Coffee Pot Codger. You can reach Nate at Indiana Nate. You can reach Mrs. Codger if you want to reach her. Fans like her. The yeah. fans really like her. It's at Mrs.Codger. There you go. And uh, actually, we're recording. This is kind of the fruit of the Buy Me Coffee. Jason and I are recording on uh, the new portable podcast mixer. So we'll see how this sounds. Nothing's plugged in. Everything's battery. It's all battery operated. It's, it's set like, up in like five minutes. It's the size of two cell phones. It's really small. It's great. Yeah, I'm, it's awesome. I'm eager to see what it sounds like. So Yeah, if it sounds we'll bad, he'll just edit this part out and you'll never hear it. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, friends. Thanks so much to Jason for uh, his gracious invitation to his house. And I got to spend so much time with uh, not only he, but his beautiful family, his lovely wife. Uh, I got to eat dinner with them and sup at their table. It was just a special, special time. and something I'll never forget. I'm sorry, guys. We did have to delay the Eagle Rare and the Cornell and Deal Blockade Runner. Promise we won't eat a meat mountain again before the next episode. Back to our normal selves. Not feeling so fat and disgusting. Uh, probably eat like a salad or something beforehand. You know, something something nutritious. But yeah, meet back with us on the next episode. And we will be drinking, as promised, Eagle Rare. And we'll be smoking, as promised, Cornell and Deal's Blockade Runner. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast, the link for that is in the show notes. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash pipes, pours, and pals. I did want to mention a quick thank you to the anonymous donor that donated several pours to us this last week and a half and uh, is very much appreciated. Mrs. Codger is so thankful that you guys have donated to uh, the funding of helping the funding of this podcast and, and extending uh, our mission of bringing a smoking lounge atmosphere to those that don't have one. And as I mentioned in the episode, you guys giving to that, have reaped the fruit of doing that. I was able to take those funds and I was able to purchase exclusively with the funds that you guys provided. Thank you so much for that. I was able to purchase this portable recorder and it came so handy in recording with Jason. So thank you guys so much for that. But uh, that being said, just wanted to tell you guys, thank you. Wanted to give you a brief explanation and say, we are so thankful for that. You're a listener. Uh, Follow us on any of the platforms that you might listen to. Share us with a friend. Uh, we so enjoyed being on Pipe and Tamper, and it got a lot of great word out. We saw a big boost in numbers from that. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with those that you love, those that you care about, other pipe smokers, and so on. So that being said, I want to wish each and every one of you a great 4th of July. It's coming up. Um, spend great time with your family, and we'll be seeing you guys uh, right down the road here at the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a good one.